to be repeated. And we're trusting for that to happen today in your lives, that the Holy Spirit is going to take the power of that testimony that's already happened for him and that he shared today, and you are going to experience um, areas in your life that are just going to come to life where you've been just experiencing like a barrenness, um, things that haven't been thriving, that haven't been prospering in the fields of your life. And the Lord wants to actually bring about um, a repeat of that testimony for the fields of your life to be thriving and fruitful and for the bees to be back, so to speak, with all the pollination of bringing new life. But I feel so strongly in my heart that God wants us not to just trust for perhaps the things that are sometimes most prominent in our minds, like the financial breakthroughs and the blessings and the dreams that we're hoping will all be fulfilled and happen, but actually that he wants our souls to prosper um, as well as the provision and those things that perhaps sometimes take up a lot of our focus. And so today, I also want to encourage you, as, I, as we roll this out together, um, because there's a way in which God has unfolded that picture further to me through the last weeks, that you are open to the Holy Spirit. Don't wait until the end when we say, okay, well, if you're feeling a stirring, let the Spirit speak to you. But that as we actually unpack this together, that you allow the Spirit to access those places in your heart and in your soul where he wants to tweak things, where he wants to change things, where he wants to bring life that is a continual, ongoing thing, no matter what the other seasons in your circumstances might be. So, Holy Spirit, we know that you are the teacher, and I pray that you will access each life, each heart, personally today. That you will speak into each person's inner being in a way that only you can, and that you'll bring transformation, that you'll bring life, that you'll bring barren areas to life in a way that only you can, Spirit of God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Um, so to go back to that picture, uh, the word started that, that I had on that home gathering day, it started with a picture that we'd already seen on Helmut's birthday as we were driving through fields. It was one particular field that was like quite startling. It was just a field of mealies and it was completely and utterly dead. I mean, it was just brown from top to bottom, no life at all, just like, whoa. And it stuck in my mind and God brought that picture back um, to me and um, that just, completely depicted barrenness for me. And then the picture that he took me to, the next scene, was this field thriving with natural plantings, the grasses, the meadows, the wildflowers, full of bees, full of butterflies, healthy, natural, and bringing back the life of God to the surrounding um, fields which were planted but which were able to thrive, to be pollinated, were fruit-bearing, laden with fruit, crops that were healthy, harvests that were abundant. Um, and, I mean, we're all aware that in the present world, um, you know, man has overworked fields to a huge extent. 
there's been just kind of almost like the rape of the land where it's just been um, worked aggressive agriculture, I think they call it, where people have used pesticides and just really overloaded the land. And it, the bees have disappeared, um, insects have disappeared, and actually there's a barrenness coming and everyone's like, whoa, we've got to watch out, we've got to do something. And um, I know I've seen um, documentaries on places in Ireland and Europe, and I'm sure they're doing it all over the world, where they've now left fields to lie fallow and for the land to recover and regain health and, um, in fact, bring back the natural plantings that were there for centuries before and that attracted the bees and uh, brought health and life to the land and the crops that were then planted and to do it in a way that respected actually what God has always intended for the land. And um, this is just such a beautiful picture. And the Holy Spirit started to just roll out um, for me the parallel between the land and our hearts, the life, the inner life of, of our hearts. And, um, and I began to see what he was actually wanting to encourage us into. It's like there's a prophetic promise today, I believe, that the fields of our lives that have been barren will be fruitful they will blossom and bloom as we do things God's way and as we entrust things to him. And actually another title of this sharing today could have been Fruitfulness Out of Rest. And um, I want to straight away define rest because we're going to come to the, back to that term over and over again. As the land was allowed to rest in that picture, it became fruitful, it became healthy, it became strong. And I want to say that I believe the rest that God is wanting us to really have a revelation of today is a rest that is actually based on active faith. You could almost say rest in God's terms for our lives means active faith. It is not passivity. It isn't just um, lying back and kind of fatalistically or passively waiting everything to happen. It is all, all sort of overindulgent spa time on an ongoing basis and never actually responding in action. It is active rest, which means the faith in God that is so strong that the soil of our hearts and um, the intentions and the thoughts of our lives become rooted rooted in that absolute trust and confidence and belief that he can do things that we cannot do and not to rest on our own self-efforts, our own striving, our own overworking. There are areas in our life where we, we actually rely on self, I believe. I don't know if you can relate to that, but would you relate to the places where we rely most on self are probably the areas in which we become most exhausted and overtired. And um, I just believe God wants to do something much, much deeper in our hearts. So there's that beautiful, it's, it's kind of a reference point, I think, for today. There's that beautiful passage in Hebrews, quite deep, quite profound. I keep going back to it and wanting to unpack it at a deeper level. It talks about ceasing from our own works and resting in what only he can do, allowing him to work. Um, and you'll remember that talking about the promised land, in Hebrews chapter 4, he says, 
they were unable, the people, his people, were unable to enter the promised land because of their unbelief. They were unable to enter his rest, it says. And it's almost like he's equating rest with a promised land. So this lack of faith and trust in him kind of discounted the ability to enter that rest, to enter the land and the place of his promises. And so, once again, there's that equation of that rest, the deep, deep, active faith, that rest in God by trusting him and trusting in his works and not ours, enables us somehow to enter that place of thriving, of the grapes, of the milk, of the honey. We want to see our lives thrive, but there's a process to the promise, as we, we have heard from Kirsty before in one of the preachers. So that was just a beautiful and a very deep and profound verse for me. Um, and further on, I would just actually like to read um, that verse from Hebrews chapter 4. It goes like this. Let's just ponder and meditate on that. It says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from his. And I believe there's a far deeper meaning than just, you know, taking a rest once a week on, on a Sabbath. Um, there's a deep, deep resting of the heart as we trust in that act of faith in him, which is so beautiful and so profound. Um, so, yeah, you know, there is something in us as human beings that tends to just want to rely on self-independence, right? Pride, independence, the self-made man. How, how attractive is that image? He's a self-made man. Like, whoa, right? Um, he's done it. He's achieved it. He's got there. There's something in humanism that is so attractive. We want to achieve. We want to be independent. We want that. Um, but actually, that's not the way God's designed us to live. Okay? And often that kind of lifestyle, when we perpetuate that, and it's something that just kind of seems to come up naturally in us. It's like we have to say, God, no, I resist that. I lean into you. Because it often leads to disappointment, um, exhaustion, frustration, burnout, and barrenness, I do believe. So I just wrote down what I felt God was saying he wanted to do today. I want to bring the bees back, I feel God saying. The fruitful fields, the abundance of nature, the way I've created things to flourish in your life, for you to prosper and thrive in every area of your life. And um, I just want to go back to the comparison, the parallel between the health of the land and the health of our lives. There's so many examples in the Bible. The seven-year cycle, right? Let's just revisit that a little bit. God rested on the seventh day. Um, he asked, he commanded his people to rest one day of the week. The seventh day of the week, the Sabbath day, was be a, a, a day of rest. The seven-year cycle um, where he he actually commanded them to allow fields to rest fallow so that the land could rest and be rejuvenated and revived and restored. And for man, that people who were in debt 
could actually come out. They could be released from their debt. So it was for people. It was for nature. It was for, for, for the whole thing. And that was part of his design. And it, it, it's a thread that weaves itself throughout the Bible. So I just think that's a beautiful, beautiful pattern. And I was reading an article the other day, and it just fitted so beautifully into this. Um, I was amazed. There's still people in Israel. It's not, you don't have to do it. It's not a law. It's not an obligation. But there's still people, the Jewish farmers in Israel, um, according to, I think it's called Shemitah, where you decide and you choose to allow your fields. You're farming. I mean, that's your life, your livelihood. But you choose to allow your fields to lie fallow for a year. And this is a choice. You choose to trust that God will bless you if you do that. And uh, you've got to put your money where your mouth is. You've got to make a plan how you're going to get through that year financially. There's a cost that comes with making that choice. But you say, okay, this is God's way. I'm going to do it. And, you know, you can say, okay, they're just keeping rules. They're just like law keeping, maybe. But it's also, for me, can be a picture of faith. Only God knows the heart. A picture of faith. Can I trust God? If I choose to do things his way, according to his rhythms, can I choose him to bless me, to look after me? Can I do that? There is that active. There's always an activeness in faith, isn't there? It's a choice. It's not just a lying back. It's um, actually being front-footed, saying, God, I trust you. And I'm going to rest in what you can do and what only you can do. Um, and I, I think there's something so, so beautiful in that active faith that is part of that rest that we enter. You know, Jesus himself used many metaphors of the land and of farming. You'll, you'll think of this immediately. The sower and the seed, right? The vineyard and vines. Many times he used this as an illustration, as a metaphor. And I think a key one is the vine and the branches in John 15. Um, it's been quite key in terms of our community, I think. Certainly in my life, it's been an absolute key. Um, but for our community as well, it's come up in so many different ways, this remaining in the vine, drawing from the vine. Um, and I, I want to revisit that today. In fact, I want to spend quite a bit of time on that. That connection to the vine, we as branches, Jesus is the vine, intertwined, dependent, living and growing from the vine, drawing life, the life sap from him, trusting as we rest as branches in the vine that he is going to produce life and fruitfulness in our lives, in our souls, in our hearts, in our minds, in the areas of our lives, our careers, our finances, our families, whatever it is, trusting that it's the vine that's going to produce that fruit is a place of rest, stability, <coughs> resilience, security, from which we are not going to be blown about by the waves and shipwrecked. And we, I believe with all my heart that that deep, deep connectedness and trust results in fruitfulness that we could never produce by any self-effort of our own, no matter how hard we work. And hard work is good. Look, I'm married to a German. I know. Hard work is an ethic we all um, adhere, adhere to, and, and it's important. Of course, God's called us. By grace, you are saved for the good works you're about to do. Of course. But do we work from self-effort? Do we work out of exhaustion and burnout? 
or do we, in every activity, even our work, rest in our hearts, in the vine? It's an ongoing thing. I believe he's teaching us all the time. Um, it's a life's journey. It's, it's, it's what he's teaching us at different levels all the time. And um, there's a book that I hold off my shelves. It didn't sound very exciting to me for years and years. It just sat there. It's called Humility and Absolute Surrender. And it's by Andrew Murray. And, you know, I always went for, like, um, every day, the supernatural miracles and so on and so on. And then I picked up this book again, and it has spoken to me so powerfully. You know, Andrew Murray um, lived in South Africa, late 1800s, early 1900s. And he, it was amazing. Um, he lived sort of in the Karoo, Cape area, Worcester. Um, he also visited Europe, Scotland, England. And he fueled spiritual revival and had a worldwide impact through his teachings and his preaching. Um, and his call all his life was to live empowered by not our own strength, but empowered by the Spirit. And he had huge impact on my father's family who lived in that area during those years. Um, but really, it, it has been worldwide impact. And if you're interested, um, Google him and just see what he was all about. Fascinating. But there is a section in this book where he looks at this particular verse from John 15, 5. And this is how it goes. I'll remind you, it's so well known. But just, again, just receive it by the Spirit into your heart as you hear it again. I am the vine, Jesus said. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Simple. And one of the first things that um, Andrew Murray comments on in his looking at that verse and unpacking it is the simplicity of absolute dependence. And I want to say it is so simple. It's like a child who's absolutely dependent and a parent. It's so, so simple, but it's sometimes incredibly challenging. And its profundity and its simplicity also make it one of the most challenging things because there's something that rears up in us and just kind of wants to sort it all out. Am I right? Can anyone relate to that? Do you sometimes just want to sort everybody out and sort the problem out and sort your own self out? Um, it's just something that, that kind of rises up in us. And it's like, okay, yes, I see that. I recognize that. But I turn away from that self-dependence all the time. And I say, God, no, by your spirit and in your strength, I lean into you in that active trust and faith. Um, the wonderful thing of being a branch drawing from the vine is that you, your whole responsibility is just to remain connected, deeply connected, and receive that life sap of the Spirit all the time. The branch, I mean, yeah, the branch rests in the vine, and the vine draws water up from its roots. The vine takes that sap that life sap into the branch. The vine is responsible for bearing the fruit. And there's something so freeing. There's a great freedom in that and just realizing that that's actually what he calls us to. The way he has designed us to live 
His plan and purpose of, for our lives is to rest in that close connection and absolute dependence on Jesus. Like those fields full of bees and the pollination that takes place and the lush growth and the thriving plants and the flourishing and the fruitfulness of that planting is actually the way he's designed us to be and the way he's designed and purposed our lives to be. But it all comes from drawing that life sap from him and resting in him, remaining in him. Um, and we're constantly learning this, I think, all our lives. In fact, you know, if you remember back to the way the year started, we had, it was as if the Holy Spirit gave us a mandate. And remember, it was from Isaiah 60, Isaiah 61, rise and shine, take the gospel, take the divine exchange of the cross out, preach the good news to the poor through not just preaching, um, but your lives. That's what I've called you to. You're going to take this beautiful divine exchange out and you're going to see transformation as you go out. But honestly and truly, so much of what we have experienced and seen around us is that people are so jolly exhausted. They are like, you know what, I'm actually just trying to tread water and breathe. I just feel so much coming at me and life is so exhausting. And it's like I can hardly just keep myself afloat, let out, you know, let alone go see myself going out. And... It's almost as if our actions, our work, our lives themselves can feel like they're separating us from Jesus. Like we somehow have to distance ourselves, get away in order to be with him. Um, and it's as if we have separated our activity, our work, the events of our lives from being in that place of rest. And those of you who know me well will know that I... I'm always the one who puts up my hand for and tries to initiate times of soaking, times of just meditating, reflecting, being in his presence, soaking in the Holy Spirit. It should be part of the rhythm of our lives, I believe, with all my heart. But I also believe, and it's just like I feel the Lord taking me on a journey where he's showing more, me more and more that actually that place of resting and drawing up the life sap from who he is um, by the Holy Spirit, of course, should be part of every activity of our lives, whether I'm rushing to prayer meeting, whether I'm talking to somebody who needs input, whether I'm at my job doing communication skills or whatever, I'm always drawing. I'm always drawing that sap. I cannot do it relying on my own energy. When I feel dizzy and faint, I'm like, God, it's your strength. It's not mine. I need to draw from him in every activity, no matter what. Otherwise, there's, there's a division in my life. And I'm only ever feeling rejuvenated or revived or in a good place of rest when I'm alone with Jesus. And I don't believe it's intended to be like that. Alone times with Jesus are vital. But in fact, all the activities of our life are, are fueled by the sap of the Spirit. It's that remaining. It's that constantly being filled as I stay in trust and dependence for him for every activity, whether it's work or secular or in the family or, or wherever it is. And I, I believe he wants to take us further and further and further into that. Whatever the activity is, you know, 
um, he's there and he's refueling us. And there's that place of sweet rest that we're drawing from all the time. It's a heart at rest in him. There's a lovely picture that the Holy Spirit brought to my mind of how we can be in this place of connectedness and stay in step with the Spirit no matter what's going on. So I love to dance. In fact, my husband loves to dance too. We enjoy dancing. And he reminded me of something I looked at, and I just was fascinated by this as a child. There was a woman we knew. She was a tiny little thing. I know she probably was even shorter than me, and that's that something. Um, and her husband was a tall, big guy, and she loved to dance with him. And she used to dance barefoot with her feet on his feet. And I was like, how does she even stay on his feet? But obviously, they had developed a beautiful rhythm together, and they could. She, she knew the moves. She kept, and she would dance with these little barefoot feet on top of the feet of her husband. And they would weave in and out, and there she was, actually dancing on his feet. And the Holy Spirit reminded me of this actually just yesterday. And I was like, actually, what a beautiful picture. If we can take, if we can stand barefoot and free on the feet of the great leader of the dance of our lives, how beautiful is that? Is that cool? Or isn't it? Is that cool? And we have to know his heart. We have to know his rhythms. Well, we have to learn. I mean, we're learning all the time. You know, you have these moments where you're like, oh, that was off. Why did I just get into that upset? No, 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 no. Let's get back into step. He's teaching us all the time. Um, so I love that picture. And maybe it can mean something to you. Picture yourself dancing, walking if you like. Um, dancing's better for me dancing on the feet of the one who leads us in his rhythms, in his ways, through our lives. Um, I, I hope that means something to you because it was really very special to me. I want to read you a paragraph out of um, this book, which blessed me. You can read it with my glasses. Ah, let me put my glasses on, I think. So, complete trust. Um, and dependence on Jesus and on the Holy Spirit. How does he, Jesus, fulfill the trust of that dependence? He does it by the Holy Spirit, not now and then as a special gift. For remember, the relationship between the vine and the branches is such that hourly, daily, unceasingly, there is the living connection maintained. The sap does not flow for a time and then stop and then flow again. But from moment to moment, the sap flows from the vine to the branches. Morning by morning, day by day, hour by hour, and step by step in every work. Absolute dependence upon God is the secret of all power in work. And I think it means Christian work. Well, I know it does. And any kind of secular work, any kind of activity at all. Um, I think it's a wonderful, wonderful secret that that rest, that infilling of the spirit, that sweet place of peace and security and rootedness is actually always available to us constantly. It's not a seasonal thing. Um, there is this thing that goes around, and I hear people say it all the time, and I completely understand it, and I say it myself, I think. I'm sure I do. That, oh, this is a dry season. That was a painful season. 
we're in a, this kind of a season and that kind of a season. You, you say it yourself, right, don't you? Uh, but I just wanted, I felt to remind us all that while there are seasons in our circumstances, seasons in our thoughts even and our feelings and in the things that happen to us that are dry, that are painful, that are difficult, that are barren even, because we, we believe Jesus is calling to life those very areas. But that in Jesus himself, there are no dry seasons. In heaven, there is never a dry season. And because we're connected and resting and remaining in Jesus, that vine with a branch in that vine, that connectedness is always there. We always have access to the heavenly download. We always have access to the river that is never running dry. It is always flowing. The vine is always drawing sap from that river. The river never stops flowing. There's always an overflowing cup, friends, in him. And that, to me, is a profound, profound thing. And I felt that while God was saying, I, today I want to regenerate the fields of your lives, I want those areas that are barren to come to life, I wanted him, I felt like he was saying, I want, I want you to know this is the secret, and it's a much deeper secret, that actually, deep, deep in your souls, the health of your soul is determined by resting in me. Deep, deep restfulness is my next like, point. Um, threaded throughout the Bible, we've said, are these rhythms of rest. I love that Heidi Baker said we need to know when to rest and when to run. And that's our physical rest. We need holidays. We need breaks. We need our Sabbath days. We need that rest. I believe in each day we need a little oasis of rest with, with Jesus in his presence. But there's a deeper rest. Um, there's that remaining. The heart at rest, the mind at rest, the soul at rest. And we enter his promises, the fullness, the thriving in our lives by relying on him, by moving in his ways and rhythms, and by knowing that heart rest. And that, and I just want you to consider yourself, just ask the Holy Spirit to speak into your heart as you consider this, that deep state of heart rest in him brings us freedom from anxiety, brings us freedom from exhaustion, continually refreshing. Active faith is an active rest where so much is happening powerfully in the spiritual. And it's a place that we can not remove ourselves from. We don't have to remove ourselves ever from it because it's that remaining. Um, I want us to revisit that chapter. I'm not going to read it all because of time, but you know, I'm sure you know, many of you would know John 15 so, so well. Um, it talks in verse 9 about being rooted in love. Verse 9 says, Remain. My father has loved me, so I've loved you. Remain in me. He said, remain in the vine earlier. And now he says, remain in my love. I mean, we know God is love. Jesus is love itself. But when we remain in him, we remain in love. We never need to feel insecure. We never need to feel shaken. We never need to feel 
rejected. We never need to feel disconnected or alone. We are rooted and grounded. We remain in his love. And I often feel him say to me when I feel a bit wobbly. So for anyone who sometimes feel a bit, feels a bit wobbly here, have courage. Be courageous. You're rooted. You're grounded in my love. Be brave. Choose love. Stand up. Choose love. Stand tall. I'm with you. You're rooted. You're grounded in my love. We don't need to wobble. I believe he wants to build incredible resilience into us today to know that well, to know the strength of that vine. We never need to feel wobbly. We choose courage. We choose resilience because there's nothing that can shake us out of that security of resting in that incredibly powerful vine who is love itself. We can trust him. How can you trust a God that you don't know, first of all, that is good? But even if he's good, even if you say, no, God is good, so we can trust him. Yeah, but is he good to you or is he just good to everybody else? No, he loves you. He is good and he loves you. Not just everyone in general, very personally, powerfully. And so we can trust him, the one who loves us, the one who is love itself. We never need to feel wobbly. And then later on, further down in the chapter, he says, and so because of all this, you're remaining in me, you're remaining in my love. This is all so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And it's like, okay, so the dry fields, the painful times, the difficult stuff that's happening, the obstacle. But actually the joy of heaven never dries up, just like the love of heaven never dries up. It's always available to me. Um, and that's what makes the difference between people, you know, just people who don't know Jesus, who obviously feel happy when happy things are happening and bad when bad things are happening. But we always have the joy of heaven. That was his, his purpose for us. If you connected and your soul can thrive and be joyful and stable and strong and resilient in my love, even when everything around you is bad and horrible. And that's so exciting. He's designed us to have this connection and to always have soul health, no matter what's going on around us. Um, and then, of course, the chapter ends by saying, you're going to bear much fruit and you're going to bear fruit that will last. Fruit that will last into eternity. Um, it's the most wonderful thing. And uh, much fruitfulness, that's what we want. That's what our hearts cry for. Who cries for more, more fruitfulness? We say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We see this. We see that breaking through. We see this blessing. We see these salvations. But who just has a heart to say, I want more? Who is like Oliver Twist who's saying, more, more, please. Come on, show me. I want to see if you're live out there. <laughs> okay, so more. We want more fruitfulness. Yes, we see salvation, but we want to see more salvations, more deliverance. We want to see thriving lives, um, the overflowing cups of hearts and souls. We want to see thriving businesses that become blessed and can bless and help others. Fruitfulness in church communities, the city, the nation. We want to see transformation of personal lives and families, but also really the city and the nation. Um, more manifestation of the power of God. We want the huge grapes of the promised land and the wine of the spirit of Pentecost. 
um, I believe God wants to remind us that those grapes, that wine, actually come from intimate connection with him. And I think he, I know that he wants us to experience more of the infilling, the constant, ongoing infilling of his spirit, not only in spiritual moments, not only at church or at meetings or at prayer times or soaking times, but actually just, oh, I felt so angry, that person. I just, no, Holy Spirit, Jesus, Jesus, Holy Spirit, whoo, whoo, okay, it's fine, peace. I, yeah, actually, I love that person. Yeah, I do. I, you know, they drove me crazy a minute ago, but no, infilling of the Spirit, infilling of the Spirit, that ongoing. Um, my husband knows, five minutes will pass and I'll be, oh, I'm so sorry, I shouldn't have reacted like that. It's Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come. Whatever the situation, wherever we are, he's there, ongoing infilling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, spirit that raised Jesus from the dead can bring resurrection life to my soul in every moment as I remain in him and to every area of my life because he's deepening my trust on every level. Beautiful. The love, the love of God that is tangible in my heart and my life. Um, as we remain and rest in his love, I believe that God just wanted me to emphasize this love aspect the fruit of love. Um, there are many aspects to the fullness, the power, the boldness of the Spirit. But I, I, I felt to emphasize the love today because often the things that trip us up are when relationships are spoiled, when marriages are spoiled, when there is discord in families, even in, among church friends, um, or in business relationships. Often it's a disturbance, a disconnect in relationships. And I, I felt to bring out this point that we have, act, look, human love, um, you know, it gets frustrated, we get irritated, we get offended, we get hurt. But spiritual, the, the heart of God, the love of God, that is what we have access to when we're connected with the vine. The passionate, powerful, unconditioned, resilient, redemptive love of Jesus and it's tangible. It looks like something. I want to hear more and more people say, we do hear it, actually often, but I want to hear more and more people say, oh, I don't know why, but I just feel so refreshed being here. Oh, can't we have more of these um, training times? Or can't we just have more of these meets? Or can't we just, yeah, that just, oh, I want what you've got. It's just so inspiring. It's so, I feel revived. Um, as an alternative to feeling drained, <laughs> you know, that can be. But I believe God wants us to carry that spirit of revival. It's actually the spirit of thriving and being revived. It's the opposite of barrenness and dryness. Um, it feels like something. I love, she's, she's a secular writer, Maya Angelou, you might know her, not, not Christian as such, but I love a quote by her and I, of hers, and I use it quite often. People forget often what you say. They forget often what you do, but people always remember how you make them feel. And there's something of the Spirit of God that we carry that people, they, they can't always put their finger on it, but it's like, whoa, 
I feel this and I want it and I sense the Spirit of God. We are carriers of His presence. We are actually, I believe, carriers of thriving. We carry a sense of fruitfulness, of something that's delicious to taste, of something that's good, of something that's healthy. We carry that in our DNA as we're connected to Jesus. It's a heart resting in Jesus. And the final point is, um, it occurred in our song, but it's, it's, yeah, I don't think it's like such a popular term either very often. It's the last part of this title, absolute surrender. Surrender has negative connotations often. You know, uh, hands up, I'm defeated, I have to give up, um, I'm defeated by whatever has come against me, I surrender, I give up, the white flag. But in biblical terms, with regard to God, surrender means freedom, relief. I no longer have to carry around the burden of my pride, always keeping up who I want people to see I am, who I want myself to think I am, the the burden of self-effort, the burden of fruitless striving, pain, anxiety, that I'm going to fail, that I'm not going to come up to scratch, that I'm not going to achieve, that things are not going to work out. Oh, I just let it go. I'm surrendering. I'm surrendering everything I am to Jesus. Surrender to Jesus means I can walk in His victory, empowered by His strength. It's a wonderful, wonderful way that God has designed us to live, completely giving ourselves every part of our, every field of our life to Him. He gave His life on the cross. He gave absolutely everything, everything He gave, His very life itself, for you, for me. How can we not do the same? How can we not respond? And yet, um, in our fear, maybe, in our arrogance, in our self Dependence. We often hold certain things back. Um, I was actually speaking to Rob on quite recently about how much I realize even I am, I mean, I'm not really a social media person. I'm not really even good with the internet and stuff like that. But I am so influenced, actually, by what comes up on my Google feed, you know, that I'm suddenly back into, oh, I should be eating this. And why am I, oh, did I do enough exercise? Did I, you know... Um, we are so influenced by it, even though I resist it and say, no, you know what, I'm not going to go with that. But it starts to influence my thoughts. We are so influenced, I believe all of us actually, influenced by social media, by the opinions of our friends, by the dictates of society. You must set goals, you know, you must have strategies, you must have plans, you must have dreams. But often we would, I don't even think we realize how much, we would make, we would build this into our life, and then we're like, okay, God, this is my, like, here's now my schedule. Could you please come and bless this? Because, like, I've done my my thing. Now, come and please bless that. But, like, why don't we just say, God, actually, what do you think about it? You, my whole life, everything, my dreams, my goals, my plans, my, it's you have, I invite you. Knock out what isn't of you. Change it. Tweak it, adjust it, change my desires, make it. If you close the door, it's absolutely fine with me. That kind of surrender is something very special. And there's a beautiful freedom. There's a beautiful joy. And there is such a stability in that because I don't have to be blown around like crazy by every, why didn't that work out? Oh, I'm so disappointed about this. It was my goal. 
It's in his hands. If I've surrendered, if we surrender, and when we surrender, and as he teaches us ways of surrendering more and more, I believe we're going to see the most incredible health and um, thriving. We're going to experience that in our own souls and in the areas of our life that we give to him. Um, Christ came to breathe his spirit into us, to make us find our very highest happiness in living entirely for him. And so just that thought of surrender, surrendering to him so that he can do, he can bring all the fields of our life into bloom, into health, into abundance, following his ways, following his rhythms, following how he's called us to live, connected, deeply connected to the vine. And, um, yeah, I don't know, Rob, if you'd like to end this. I do feel that there's some kind of way we need to respond to that. Maybe you have actually been, there's just areas of your life that, that as we've kind of tried to unpack this together, you've thought, oh, that, that area is so barren, maybe relationship-wise, family-wise, maybe businesses, as Rob shared that fantastic testimony, maybe your health, maybe, I, I don't know, whatever the area of your life that has kind of this Holy Spirit has identified for you, let's allow the Spirit to work.